You're listening to the Quietly Ambitious podcast, and this episode is one from before we rebranded. So if you hear references to Creatively Human, that is why. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Creatively Human, a podcast for online business owners and creatives that goes beyond the work and dives deep into why we do what we do, the struggles and wins we face along the way, and how we fit it all into the kind of life we want to live. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, and I help creatives grow their businesses in ways that fit around their life and values. Welcome back to Creatively Human and the first interview of 2019. Before we get into the interview, which is honestly one of my favourites, I wanted to let you know about my new course, Clarify. It's all about having a meeting with yourself and looking at the big picture of your business. I think it's really easy to get bogged down in the day-to-day running of things, but stepping back and looking at the whole picture and what you want to achieve can be so powerful. This is a process that I have perfected over the years and I can honestly say it's responsible for helping me to simplify my business, to plan in advance, to take a huge chunk of time off for maternity leave, to set big goals and to increase my income. I've put together all the exercises I use into a practical workbook and I've also included loads of examples from my own business to help you. You can find all the details at ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash clarify. Today's chat is with Tamu Thomas, who runs 360, a lifestyle brand focusing on wellness and a philosophy of what she calls everyday joy. Tamu has her own podcast, she runs retreats, and at the time of recording, she was also selling her own clothing, though she's just announced that she will actually be stepping away from that side of her business. We get into a lot of mindset stuff in this interview, specifically the courage it takes to start something new and what it means to take care of yourself and give yourself the gift of time. I also loved hearing Tamu speak so passionately about why we need to hear more from women in their 40s and beyond. I really think you're going to love this one. Hi Tamu, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Could you start by introducing yourself and what you do? Yeah, my name is Tamu Thomas. I'm the founder of a lifestyle brand called 360. And um, 360 is a lifestyle brand which is aimed at women in their late 30s and 40s. And I guess a really easy way to describe it is a brand that has various facets to it that are all steeped in, underpinned by wellness and women slowing down achieving more and creating space for what I call everyday joy and that is um, seizing moments and opportunities to check in with yourself so that you're feeling grounded because I believe that we can do absolutely anything we put our minds to and our hearts to if we are grounded and sure of what we want and making choices rather than decisions. Oh I love it I love everything that your brand stands for. Could you talk a bit more about how this everyday joy and wellness philosophy plays out in what you do? So, for example, your clothing. When I started the brand, so 360 was born out of me experiencing what was for me extreme burnout. And it was manifesting itself by impacting my mental health. And my inner critic was shouting, screaming, stomping and driving everything I was doing unbeknown to me because I wasn't taking time to check in with myself. 
um, because I am from a generation and also a cultural background where you are taught to push through and keep going. And if you don't keep going, you're lazy. And if your output isn't high, your value isn't high either. And I realized that that was all very damaging. And because I was burnt out, I was forced to slow down. Being forced to slow down by experiencing burnout forced me to think about myself, what drives me, what I enjoy doing and where I wanted my life to go rather than following a map that was based on my career and my career alone. Um, and I thought about all the things that I enjoy, the thing, the conversations I was having women who are within my age bracket, who are, you know, established in their careers, earning decent money. And a lot of us were unsatisfied. Even my friends who were earning, you know, 80k plus, yeah, they could buy what they want. Yes, they had all these material goods, but they didn't feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought about the things that would enable that. So with the clothing, I thought about morning routines. There's been lots of research into your morning routine and how your morning can set you up for a great day. And I thought about how much time I faff around and how many conversations I've had with my girlfriends about faffing around, getting dressed in the morning and rushing. Um, and I know that when I'm in a rush, I reach for a one piece outfit, like a jumpsuit or a dress. So I thought about creating a capsule collection, all one piece outfits that would enable you to get dressed quicker in the morning, not so that you can rush, but so then you're creating time so that you can engage in some kind of practice that will enable you to feel grounded and set up your day. Could be journaling, reading a paragraph, meditating, praying, whatever it is that can help you feel like you, not doing something extraordinary for your child's packed lunch, not making sure your husband has got whatever, making sure that you are doing something for you and creating that time because we're always saying that we don't have enough time. But my period of having to slow down, but still working and still mothering and still doing the things that I needed to do showed me that if I simplified and slowed down, I could actually achieve more because I was cutting, cutting out a lot of the nonsense. Nonsense sounds like a strong word, but I was cutting out a lot of the busyness and focusing on being productive. And then I thought further about time. Um, I listened to Oprah's Super Soul Sundays a lot podcast. And the first sentence she says is the most the most precious gift we can give ourselves is time. And all the women I was having conversations with and still have conversations with, we're always talking about time being a commodity that we don't have. However, we're present on social media, we're present in other spaces, which tells me that we do have time. And I'm not saying that in a judgmental way. It's just more about rethinking how we use our time. Yeah. Um, and that led me to think about creating experiences where women were able to gift themselves time to do things that would really support them to transition from surviving because it felt like and feels like a lot of us are surviving through life to actually looking at tools we can use so that we can thrive because when we're thriving we're not going to be martyrs to careers and motherhoods and other people will be more holistic in our movements and our approaches. Mm, wow that's brilliant I love it and um, yeah you touched upon the interesting thing giving yourself the gift of time and mm -hmm. I noticed on the page for your everyday joy retreats you mentioned about how it really is an investment 
in yourself for yourself and that's really interesting because that's hard for a lot of people sometimes to make that investment absolutely and I think that um because we have been I think very much so my generation I think millennials and generations below them less so because they're being brought up with the narrative that putting yourself first isn't being selfish, whereas my generation, it was very much, particularly if you're a woman, that you put everything beforehand because mm. we were the generation that were being taught we can have it all, um, but having it all is a myth. We can have it all, but not all the same time, but we were taught that we could literally juggle everything, which meant that we were always putting ourselves last. And I describe it as an investment because we often think that giving ourselves time means that we're taking time away from something else that is more worthy than we are. So I call it an investment because it is literally exactly that and you are worthy of investing in yourself if you don't invest in yourself nobody else is going to think that you're worthy of investment because we're creatures of habit if we have people that are constantly giving and we constantly appreciate what they're giving we're going to continue appreciating what they're giving and sort of coast through rather than think of the fact that actually this person must be giving up compromising doing whatever taking away from themselves to give to me um and what i found through my journey in inverted commas and also in my motherhood journey is that if I don't take the time then the quality of what I'm giving elsewhere is compromised whereas if I do give myself time I'm able to show up in other spaces in a way that I wouldn't if I was dragging myself there reluctantly feeling like gosh I'm doing this thing but I haven't done these things that I need to do for myself um, so I'm really trying to help women understand that giving themselves time this precious gift of time that we give to others so freely is an investment that will enable us to give ourselves even more so in different ways by choice not by decision or through guilt or martyrdom that's such a great message and actually i read recently um, someone said that time is a feminist issue and I totally get that it makes mm -hmm, so much sense mm -hmm. because we, we we literally if you think about our passage through history since information has been recorded when it's to do with women we're always the narrative is always about giving always always about giving and I do think that there is some truth to us being or a lot of us being natural givers, nurturers, and all that sort of stuff. But in that role of being the giver, being the nurturer, when are you actually giving and nurturing yourself? You know, I think it's a Bible saying, but, you know, charity begins at home. If you're not being charitable with yourself, you do end up at some point in time being reluctant in giving to other people. I would much prefer my giving to be a joyful experience um, because I've taken care of myself and I therefore have more to give strategically and not all the time. But when I'm showing up for you, you know, I want to be there. I'm doing it because I want to support you and I'm supporting you with my full heart rather than begrudgingly. Yep, yep, definitely. And um, I'd love to know if you have any specific ways that you bring this everyday joy and uh, self-care wellness into your own life. The, the message that I'm trying to impart is that self-care isn't this 
new thing to add to your to-do list. It's something that you can slot in at any time. So when I was, I'm, you know, I work for myself now, but when I was employed, my self-care looked like going into, if it was a miserable day, sitting in my car for 15 minutes or so and listening to music or a podcast or doing something that gave me a bit of a lift and some inspiration. In my day-to-day now, um, my self-care looks like starting the day with gratitude. And it's not that really false, forced gratitude. It's gratitude for what I consider to be the everyday joys of life. So it may be that I open my eyes and there's sunlight peeping through my curtains indicating that the sky is blue. That I am grateful for. I'm grateful for waking up because I'm hearing about lots of people in my age bracket that are um, dying in their sleep. No previous health issues, sudden death syndrome comes and takes them away. So it's really looking at the very simple things in life that I think tell me that I'm living rather than existing. Um, my So I write my little gratitude list. My self-care also um, includes visualizing. Sometimes that visualize, visualization is just a daydream about whatever. Sometimes it's structured about how I want my day to look, how I want my day to feel, or it could be something that is a bit more advanced where I'm thinking about what I want for my business over the next month, over the next six weeks, over the next three months. Um, And it's also making time for movement because what I realized was I was investing a lot of time in my emotional and in my development. So learning, reading, listening, but I wasn't doing much for my body. So that will also be things like going to the shop for something that I really don't need, but I know that me going to the shop means that I'm walking, I'm going to be out in the air. Um, So it's really finding ways that I can integrate it into my day. And at some point in the day, I will journal. It could be a couple of sentences, it could be pages and pages. But for me, journaling is a really crucial part of my self-care, because it's an opportunity to download all the things that are swirling around in my head because I have like an idea every minute or I can have my inner critic trying to tell me something that isn't true Um, and it's also a space where I daydream and then those daydreams turn into plans with a timeline and then those plans with a timeline become an action that gets played out at some point within my life but also because I've written it down I've got something to refer back to because I have a tendency to forget things that I've done and I'm doing. So you could say to me, tell me, what did you do last week? And I'd be like, oh, I don't know, not a lot. But actually, when I refer to my paper, I can see that I did so many things. um, And it can help me sort of stay on the side of I am doing stuff rather than my natural default, which could be, oh my gosh, I'm not doing enough. I'm not being productive enough. So yeah, I think you can really slot it in. And sometimes it can just be a case of right, It's lunchtime now. I'm having a lunch break. I'm going to sit down with my book. I'm not going to look at my phone other than putting my timer on and I'm going to read for half an hour. It's such a good message to remember that we can just slot it into our everyday lives. And I'm also a massive fan of journaling. And what you touched on there was noticing Mm -hmm. the positive things, uh, as in the things Mm -hmm. you have achieved. And I've noticed in reflecting on my own business and and my journey throughout the years that I I do have a tendency to forget all the things that I've achieved and and focus on 
the things that I don't achieve because sometimes when you work for yourself you you do have a day where you don't get anything done Mm -hmm. but it's fine it's, it's so you know I know that it's all about safety and keeping us safe in containment but it's so interesting to me that a lot of us are so hardwired that way that I come across really high-flying women that are in very senior positions within their organization or have done really well in business and they will still beat themselves up about not being productive enough or for resting like we're machines. Yep. Um, So I think that when we slow down and we do take notice of things that are happening around us, we can then have this sort of resolve that when a mistake, a misstep, you've calculated something incorrectly, like me and my fabric last week, rather than dwelling on the fact that you've made a mistake or something's gone wrong, now... I do have that second or those few seconds of, oh, my goodness, what have I done? But then I automatically flip and I'm like, okay, then, well, where's the lesson? There's the lesson. Thank you very much. Noted. Mm. Let's keep it moving. So I think that it's really important for us to take notice of everything, not do this. Oh, my gosh, I'm just going to focus on the positive because that's really fake. But understand that we're supposed to make mistakes. Things are supposed to go, quote, unquote, wrong because there's learning in there and my tools for keeping myself in that state of a foundation of contentment have been much more useful to me in those moments of, oh my goodness, that wasn't supposed to happen um, because I've then got a pathway to get back to my baseline of contentment. It is a practice, isn't it? I mean, it takes time to teach yourself and to actually believe it no matter how often you're doing it. It takes time to really build it into yourself Ruth, i'm 41 i've just learned this lesson <laughs> <laughs> i was going to ask you about that actually because as uh if i'm correct your business is quite new is that right very launched in may this year may. wow and um i'd love to hear the work you've done on your mindset how has it affected your mindset how have you had to change the way you think about things to push forward and start this new thing and put it out into the world gosh ruth have you got all day <laughs> <laughs> the mindset work has literally been the catalyst for everything. So prior to, I've always been interested in um, personal development. I've always believed that, I know that people walk around and say things like a leopard can't change its spots. I do think that there are parts of us that fundamentally are ingrained and it's difficult to change. But I do think that we all have the capacity to change and we all have the capacity to learn new things, Um, but the application can be something different. Um, So it started off with me experiencing burnout and being forced into a position where I had to take up self-development, personal development, introspection and all that sort of stuff because I wasn't conscious of the things that were driving the the more shadowy parts of my behavior and so I had to really delve into those and um, that took quite a long time. Um, I'm waffling here because I'm skirting around an issue. I was depressed Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't realize that I was until I was forced to sit still um, and realize that me having anxiety and um, experiencing a couple of panic attacks was my body telling me that I had to stop. So I was left with no choice. And I think for me, that had to happen. 
and now I'm grateful for that experience. Um, and that led to me looking at personal development in a totally different way. So things that I would have dismissed previously as cliche, as really American, fuzzy, nebulous stuff that didn't re- wasn't really grounded in anything. Upon further exploration, I was able to see that there was scientific studies that backed up a lot of the practices and a lot of the theories that are shared within the personal development world. And once my brain understood that, I was able to invest in it wholeheartedly. And once I understood that it wasn't about masking my more, I guess, I can't think of a better word, negative attributes. Once I realized that it wasn't about masking those, it was about working with those. um, I was free to give myself permission and decide that I was going to look at things differently Um, And something that solidified my own learning, reading the podcasts I was listening to and audiobooks and stuff was having coaching because um, having coaching really enabled me to integrate all of the things that I was learning and apply them to myself and my experience in a way that was helpful rather than thinking, oh, my goodness, but Oprah, it's easy for you to say that because you're Oprah or Mm -hmm. Deepak, it's easy for you to say that because you're Deepak. I was actually able to flip it. And the coaching I had was with a lady called Nicola Ray Wickham. She's got a company called A Life More Inspired. And she broke it down and said, "Um, Tamu, these things that are holding you back, knocking your confidence, or these things that you've internalized are stories. And these stories are manifesting themselves as uh, limiting beliefs. And the beauty of a story is you can rewrite the story. You can tell yourself a new story. And if you tell yourself that story enough, your mind will start to believe that story. So once it was broken down in that way, um, I was able to really sort of run with um, personal development. So I make a conscious decision that each day, I will listen to, read something that will affirm what I'm doing already or challenge something that I'm doing or is a reminder. So you see lots of um, things on social media saying you don't need to keep reading personal development books. You need to apply the lessons. Well, for me, I need to keep reading them so that I can apply the lessons because what I'm up against is 40, well, not 40, but like a good 38 years of limiting beliefs Mm. that I now have to dispel. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be a continuous journey. And I know for me, that it's something that I'm going to need to do all the time, especially working for myself and not having those checks and balances that you ordinarily do when you're working within an organization where you have your appraisals, you have your supervision and people give you constructive feedback as well as giving you that boost. At the moment, because I'm working in a space that is relatively new in terms of focusing on a specific age group and having conversations about things from perimenopause to, you know, I don't know, whatever it is that we talk about. I'm in a space where women need this and want this and are seeking this. So I'm overwhelmed with, oh my goodness, this is so fantastic, but I don't really have this is really great, Tamu, and you could make it better by doing this, that, and the other. Um, 
because we're, we're so in need that anything is better than nothing. And I'm not saying that to criticize myself. Um, I'm just saying that this personal development helps me do the reflection and think this is great. These are the steps that we need to do to evolve and make sure that we're keeping up with the way that we are quickly evolving because we're now understanding more about what we need to do what we want. There's so many things you've said that I want to ask you more about. (laughs) (laughs) And one of them is the way you are um, deliberately speaking to women in their late uh, 30s, 40s and beyond. Mm -hmm. And you also, part of your brand is the podcast and you share Mm -hmm. interviews with these women a diverse range of women on a diverse range of topics mm-hmm. so I'd love to know more about why that is so important to you because we're just not having those conversations so as you can tell I love talking and mm-hmm. prior to podcasts when um uh talk radio I guess on the internet was called internet radio I wanted to have an internet radio station but at that time I didn't have anybody to do it with and just decided I wouldn't be able to do it because I couldn't do it on my own um but um when i started to think about this brand and um aiming it at this particular demographic i was in a yoga class and there was a lady who was um in her early 50s um and we were talking about my brand and she was like yeah nobody talks about stuff and i wanted to hide as she said this um, but she was very open about it she talked about um the menopause how um going through the menopause was um affecting her libido and the fact that she needed to use um oh gosh what's it called again uh before you know being intimate with her husband she needed to use lubrication Mm -hmm. which is something she'd never had to do before because of how her body was changing and i was like i've heard my mum's age group and my mum talk about the menopause they talk about hot flushes they talk about being moody but I've never really heard anything other than that and then my yoga teacher started talking about perimenopause I don't know where I'd been but I'd never heard of perimenopause and I thought my goodness there are all of these secrets that are hidden in plain sight that we're not aware of and we're not talking about them then there were the conversations I was having with women when I was doing research for the brand, where I was talking to women who outwardly seemed to have it all, but felt unfulfilled. And I thought to myself, if more of us knew that there were more of us that were experiencing these things and feeling this way, we wouldn't feel like we were alone or that we were ungrateful or we were undeserving. Um, we would see that this is all part of the human experience. And then the other thing that I get a lot is people saying to me, you don't look like you're 41. Well, I come from a family. If you were to see my mum, you wouldn't believe that she was, uh, or that she is a woman in her mid sixties. My granddad, uh, he, um, when he was 90, no one believed that he was 90 because he looked so well. That's just the way that we're built. But furthermore, do we really actually know what 40 looks like for many women? I don't think so. Do we know what 50 looks like? I don't think so. Because everybody is on this quest for eternal youth. Be youthful, but youth belongs to youth. We're not supposed to be youths forever, but we can still be youthful. And my own experience is that I feel a lot more youthful and I am experiencing way more green shoots now than I have before. And I think it's time to change the narrative. 40 isn't the new 30, it's 40. And this is what it looks like now. 40 isn't 
anymore just a pair of court shoes and a pinafore. For me, 40 is trainers and skinny jeans or a jumpsuit a lot of the time because I come from the generation that made sportswear streetwear. I come from the generation that would wear trainers with suits, for example. So the the, the notion that I turn 40 and all of a sudden you know, no shade per Una because you are getting, the, but I'm going to stop shopping in Topshop. I'm going to start shopping in per Una is really it just says to me that because we're so focused on youth and youth being the epitome of the human experience, we don't explore other stages in life until we get to being elderly. And then all of those narratives are about us being a drain on society, really. Mm, yeah, yeah. So important, so important. And do you find, do you think that um, certain spaces you've seen on the internet, do you think that they're more dominated by millennials? Is that why you feel like you wanted to put other people's voices out there more? Absolutely. In everything that I was seeing, everything that I was thinking, oh, that's really interesting, that's new, that's inspiring. Oh, I didn't think about that in that way, self-care. Everything is directed at millennials. And... um, I know that millennials are um, older now and they are having babies and all of that. But the way that I would describe it is that, generally speaking, millennials have had a digital experience. Me, Generation X, my childhood was fully analog. My digital my digital experience started as an adult. So I've got that duality of having one foot, well, not one foot, in analog but definitely that whole analog life formed the core part of my identity and the digital experience came later on so the whole notion classic example my siblings and I we've got big age gaps between us so my brother is an older millennial my sister is very firmly within millennial when I went to school sports day you were out there to win By the time my brother was going to school and doing sports day, it was all about taking part. So I was brought up in a time and space that was very much about competition. It was very much about forget about doing your best. Your best isn't good enough. You've got to do better than everybody else, which doesn't take into consideration your own makeup and what you're capable of. So I think that they are very, very different experiences. And there are a lot of things that I admire and I'm interested in, in the millennial space, but it doesn't relate to me at all. And whilst millennials may be thinking about, um, I don't know, um, starting to have a family and all that sort of stuff, I'm thinking about the fact that I'm 41 And biologically speaking, my body is starting to lean towards slowing down. So that does include things like perimenopause. That does mean that I have to be more mindful about my fitness because I need to invest more in it. It does mean that I need to be mindful about what I'm eating and the sort of exercises I'm doing because my bone density is starting to change and things like that. They're they're quite different conversations and quite different brands of self-care and many women in my age bracket, they don't have babies, they have 
preteens or teenagers or adult children we're not having conversation that's if they you know do have children they're not having we're not having conversations about what that means and how that see you emotionally and physically for a lot of us who were taught that you put your family first that that means absolutely everything many of us are getting to a stage where we're like oh okay that's really interesting I've compromised a lot for my family I've compromised a lot for my partner um what do I do now that that element of me has gone or you have made choices or life has turned out in a way that you don't have a family so you were possibly working harder in other aspects to prove yourself because at that stage women making choices or I found that women of my generation making choices not to have children the sort of whisper underneath that would always be oh there must be something wrong or it's because she hasn't found a partner people don't realize that actually as a human being that has a womb you can make a choice not to use that to procreate and even things like this whole notion push through keep going as you go through the stages of life, if you think about it, spring, summer, autumn, winter, there are things that you can do in spring that you can't do in summer, you can't do in winter, vice versa. So I think it's also important for us to have these conversations so that we're not beating ourselves up about not being able to do things that perhaps we could do really easily in our 20s, because that's not we're supposed to be doing we may have involved emotionally but biologically things are still the same so there are times that we have to honor where we are at biologically and that will assist us emotionally yeah yeah it's so true and I don't want this to sound I don't know patronizing or something but people like me and millennial have a lot to learn from from women who are in that older age bracket and I think that is so important yeah. And, and for me also, intergenerational learning, I feel like when you're in your um, 40s, early 50s, you're in the middle. So you um, you can influence those above and those who are younger. But if we're not having conversations that provide us with pathways and templates of what it is to grow through life, we are going to con ourselves into thinking that we should be having these creams and these fillers and all of these things so that we can stay young. Mm. If you want to do that because you want to do that, that's absolutely fine. No one has the right to tell you that you shouldn't do that. I just, what I, what I hope for all of us is that we're doing those things because we want to, not because we're trying to keep up with a societal message, which is based on a very narrow-minded patriarchal standard, which is that women are accessories and eye candy. Yeah. And I guess it also comes back to that thing of, like you said, it's either this kind of stereotype in our culture of what women are or mm -hmm. and and it's important to have this space like the space that you're creating where you're actually talking to real women about real things and then mm -hmm. other women can see women like them absolutely somebody sent me a message yesterday which actually made me stop in my tracks and and, and made me glassy-eyed well made me tearful um and one of the things she said was seeing me do what I do has told her that she can do what it is that she wants to do. And that is so powerful for me because sometimes we just need to see 
quote unquote average everyday women making steps to live the life of their dreams, looking at people like, I don't know, Sophia Amoruso or Michelle Obama, sometimes we forget that they are also human beings Mm. and they seem so high up and far away that we can be intimidated because we think, gosh, they've got a team, they've got all these people around them. But when you see somebody like me, for example, or somebody that you consider to be a peer, and you're actually seeing the steps that they're taking, it gives you the permission to show up and think, actually, I can do this. And if I make a mistake, it doesn't matter because that's what we're supposed to do. It's part of the human experience. And as you progress through that, you then start to understand that these people, you know, Ariana Huffington, all of them, they started somewhere because we're all human beings and they all have made mistakes, have, you know, learned lessons and and paid them forward. So we are literally all capable of everything. But I think it's really difficult to see that if you're not seeing people that you relate to making steps to, you know, thrive. Yeah, yeah. And that letter you received, that's just confirmation that that what you're doing is so worth it and so needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to shift gears a bit now because there's something else I want to ask you about before we finish. Um, mm-hmm. I recently saw that you were interviewed on ITV News about fast oh, yes. fashion. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about that and how uh, you were intentionally moving away from that in your clothing. Yeah, um, when I first started, I wanted to be a fully ethical, sustainable brand. But my experience is that it is very elitist because the price point is so high. So I thought about how else can I create something that isn't buying into this fast fashion that is supporting women to be themselves and, you know, have their style and and all of that without feeling like they've got to chase the next day sauce delivery and whatever else. And I thought, well, actually, we wear the same things over and over and over again. We may buy new things, but often we wear them a couple of times or they sit in the back of the wardrobe. So I thought about contributing to ethical fashion, number one, by producing in England. Um, Number two, supporting another female founder. Um, So the factory I use is owned by a woman and coincidentally, all of her staff are female. Um, So I'm supporting the local economy and by sourcing fabrics in the UK, even though they've come from elsewhere, um, I am having a smaller carbon footprint. Um, And then I have been intentional about designing clothes that are wardrobe basics So you can wear them over and over and over and over again. That is my intention and style them differently with your shoes, your accessories. You may decide to wear it with a cardigan, a blazer or whatever to make that outfit slightly different. So I really want to or my not I really want to. My intention is to show people that you can still look stylish. You can still be on trend if that's what you would like to be but using what you already have and you don't need to buy copious amount uh, amounts of stuff so your jump your jumpsuit can become on trend because of the accessories you wear with it or because of the shoes and and how you style it so it's to move away from feeling like you need to have volumes keep it simple my collection is six pieces um 
I'm not sure if I will expand from that at this moment. I'm pretty sure that I will stick to one garment outfits. And it's just to support the notion that you can still achieve multiple looks with less. And the whole thing about sustainable fabric, what I have learned is I could buy a jersey fabric that has been made with organic, ethical cotton. But once that jersey has been mixed with a man-made fibre, such as um, spandex, to give that fabric stretch, every time you wash that garment, the fibres are broken down, you get the man-made fibres ending up in the sea and impacting marine life. So even if you are buying from a brand that sources sustainable fabric, somewhere along the line, it is still having an impact on the environment. So if we're buying less, we will be automatically reducing the impact that we have on the environment. Yeah, I, I think it's so inspiring and uh, thought provoking, I guess, listening to you talk about this. And it's something I struggle with with fashion. You know, I I'm drawn to all the high street shops and things. Mm-hmm. But, so I like seeing people like you um, doing it very intentionally and showing and talking about having less, but still having lovely clothes. Mm hmm. Yeah, because I just think, for example, um, by my my price point is the higher end of the high street. But what I know for sure is the I can vouch for the quality of manufacturing. So there, <clears throat> there's a dress that is going to be part of um, some new pieces that I'll be dropping in a couple of weeks. People have people. Well, people that know me know that I've had that dress. I actually designed that dress and got the first sample made in 2015. I wear that dress over and over and over again throughout the colder months. And the dress still looks exactly the same as it did when it came off the sample machine. So it's about investing a little bit more, but knowing that you're going to get the value because you're going to get the longevity. So you can go and buy a cheaper version of that dress because it's on trend. But I think it's highly unlikely that you'll be able to wear that dress year in, year out. It still look great. You still get comments about the dress every time you wear it. You still feel great every time you wear it if you have bought it from somewhere that manufactures in a factory where the standard of manufacturing is lower and therefore the price point is lower. Yeah, it's just such a such a good case for buying more intentionally from Mm -hmm. smaller brands and Mm -hmm. yeah, choosing what you buy carefully. Right, we've been talking for quite a while now. So I'm going to ask you a a few parting questions before we wrap up. Um, The first one is what has surprised you most about your business journey? Oh, gosh, what has surprised me most has been the support from all sorts of places. And it's not because I didn't believe that women could support women. Um, I know that lots of people have narratives about women being, you know, really catty and whatever Mm. else. But we are in a place where we want more, we know we can have more, and we know that we don't have to wait for anybody else to give us this more. So the thing that I've really been pleasantly surprised by is the support I have had from women and the fact that people get it. When I was first launching, I was a bit nervous about people understanding 
the facets that make up 360 because quite, quite often people think a clothing brand should be a clothing brand. If you do retreats, you should do retreats. If you do, you know, a podcast, you should do a podcast. But people are really buying into this fullness, this holistic package that has been a really beautiful, that has surprised me the most, that has been really beautiful and that people have been willing to invest in a brand that they didn't know about because they understand the story and they like to see the person behind the brand telling the story and they are actually investing in your whole package. So I know for sure when people are buying a dress, they may see a rainbow dress and think, oh my goodness, I love that dress. But they then always read the story behind the dress and fall in love even more. So true. So true. That's a good business lesson there as well for sharing our stories. Yes. Yes, totally. Second question. What is something you're obsessed with at the moment? My current obsession, it will be a lifelong obsession, is thriving. I am obsessed with thriving because my experience has been that I thought that life was surviving Unfortunately, at this point, something weird happened to our internet connection, but luckily we were at the end and Tammy was just about to share where you can find her. Her website is live360.com, all in letters, no numbers, and she hangs out mostly on Instagram at live360. Same again, all letters, no numbers. And she also has a podcast, 360 Conversations. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. It would really help me and the podcast if you could take a moment to review, rate and subscribe. I'd also really love to hear from you on Instagram at Ruth Poundwhite, where I like to get a bit philosophical about online business. And you can find me on my website, ruthpoundwhite.com, where you can read the episode show notes, subscribe to my behind the scenes newsletter or read more about my own experience of running a creative online business.